Welcome back to Real Talk with Susie. I know it's been a little while. It's actually been two years, I believe, since the last episode. So first, I want to thank you for all of your continued support and for sticking with me during this little bit of a hiatus. Life for me has been pretty hectic, and I kind of think it's probably been that way for all of us lately. The last three years have kind of been a bit of a ride for everybody. But I'm really thrilled to be back behind the mic and sharing my thoughts and experiences and my ideas with each of you once again. In the last two years, I've gone through a lot of changes. The biggest one is a name change after divorce. So that's not quite made it through graphic design yet. So the things hasn't changed officially, but um, eventually the Shaw will be dropping off um, really soon, hopefully. Um, But in any case, I'm super excited to bring you a fresh perspective on life after weight loss surgery. So without much more of a wind-up, let's dive in and catch up on a few basics as a little bit of a review on what we do here with some little bit of a tough love and a little bit of mindset uh, help. And uh, let's have some fun. Okay, you ready? Let's go. Okay, so first up, we're going to be talking today about weight loss truths. And the first one we're going to go over is cheese. And actually, specifically, we're going to be addressing cheese and peanut butter, and that, of course, covers nut butters like cashew butter, almond butter, and all of those fun things. Now, those are some really, truly tasty foods that do have some amount of protein in them, but they're not really a diet food, and they're not a source of protein. In our Facebook groups, um, this pops up from time to time and proves the fact that we don't know how to eat right and surgery didn't automatically update our brains to do that for us. And the fact is, and I'm going to add myself into this category because I love those things. I love cheese and I love peanut butter as much as anybody else. So this isn't really kind of like a happy message. This is something that I had to learn the hard way too. I'm not excited to deliver this one um, today at all, especially on the first episode back in like so long. But um, they're not calorie-free foods that give you a a boost of protein. They're not even a low-calorie food they're actually pretty high in calories. And that just means that too much of them too often will stall weight loss. And eventually that will contribute to a weight gain. And as I mentioned before, they're not a great source of protein. They're just not. What they are is quite high in fat and that makes them high in calories, of course. Um, you know, to give kind of some context to that, a slice of deli cheese can be around a hundred calories depending on the variety. And in that 100 calories of cheese, that's got about eight or nine grams of fat, depending on what kind it is. So if you're a longtime listener of this podcast series, you've already learned that a gram of fat carries with it nine calories, right? So eight or nine grams of fat in a slice of cheese is 80 or 90 calories per slice of cheese. Now that's a lot of calories for something that honestly isn't going to bring you a lot of satisfaction. If you eat a, if you're really really hungry and you eat a slice of cheese, you might not be hungry for about 15 20 minutes if that. If that, you're going to be lucky. Um so that's a lot of calories for something that's really not going to help you out. And the same kind of goes for peanut butter. A standard serving of peanut butter is around 200 calories. You know, it's anywhere between 180 to 200, depending on the brand and the type and stuff like that. And most nut butters kind of fall into that kind of realm. And in that, there's about 15 or so grams of fat for the serving. And a serving of most nut butters is about two tablespoons. And I'm going to stress here because this is really, really important call out to make. Again, long-time listeners know two tablespoons means two measured tablespoons. 
And by that, I mean those little spoons that you use when you make a cake or a recipe, not the kind of spoon that you grab out of your silverware drawer that you eat soup with, okay, a, a tablespoon. So um, I'm going to tell you something else that might sting here. All of us, myself included, we will gravitate towards using too much cheese and oftentimes too much peanut butter. And we tend to also use it too often. And not because we're like gluttons or whatever. It's just, it tastes good. And we want to use more of it because it tastes good. But if you've ever eaten a cheese stick, you know, doesn't it kind of make you wonder why you're hungry not too long after you eat that cheese stick? Or if you put a scoop of peanut butter because you think, okay, well, yeah, I'm going to get... It's, it's a lot of calories, but I'm going to get more protein and it's going to add a little bit more thickness and more volume to my protein shake. But then like in an hour, you're still kind of hungry. Well, it's because you didn't really add that much protein, but you added a lot of calories to it. You didn't give yourself anything to get satisfied on. And honestly, in, in the instance of putting peanut butter in your protein shake, you may be added, if you measured, you may be added eight grams of protein, right? Well, there's eight grams of protein in an egg. And a serving of peanut butter is about 200 calories. An egg has like 70 calories. You could have made a protein drink, protein drink, drank it, and then scrambled an egg for 70 calories. That's less than half the amount of calories, gotten the same amount of extra protein, and still had something kind of in your stomach to give you that satisfaction that you're looking for and that you're craving. And that's a huge difference, isn't it? And if that's not kind of an example, because it might not be, I'm a little bit rusty at this podcasting thing. Again, it's been a while, so I do hope you're kind of sticking with me um, as I kind of get my feet back into this whole thing. But um, another kind of an example on something that's kind of truly filling and just so you kind of wrap your head around like what volume and, and, and filling and stuff like that is, let's look at like something like ground turkey, okay? So a serving of ground turkey has about 20, 22 grams of protein and only 165 calories, okay? So that's, again, we're less than a serving of peanut butter, way more than double the amount of protein, right? So that's a better bang for your buck, right? You're getting more protein, fewer calories. And then I haven't even talked about how much turkey that is. That's four ounces of volume of turkey. There are a lot of people listening to that this podcast right now who are years and years out of surgery who still can't eat four ounces of turkey. Now, there are a lot of us who can eat. I'm one of those. I could easily eat four ounces of turkey. But four ounces of turkey will keep me full for three or four hours easily, easily, because it's a good source of protein. It's a good source of volume for your stomach, for your pouch, for your sleeve, for whatever. So there's a huge difference there in what you're getting for your caloric spend. And you have to think about that sort of thing when you're trying to lose weight and when you're trying to keep it off. So if you're trying to lose weight or if you're just trying not to gain it again, keep in mind that, yeah, you can have cheese and you can have peanut butter or sauces, whatever you want, but you have to be real with how much and how often you're using it because all these little add-ins and little things that we do for flavor and for enjoyment and stuff like that, that's how we eat too much without eating a lot. So I have some tips on how we can do that and you know how we can kind of break through that and still enjoy the foods that we eat and have little things like, like cheese and peanut butter without going kind of overboard. And the first one's kind of an easy one. I know you, you know I'm going to say this, but you're measuring. You've got to stop scooping out butters and just like chopping off cheese and sprinkling it on and stuff like that and actually weigh it with a scale or get a measuring spoon or whatever you're supposed to use. Um, and even before you start measuring it, actually look at it and, and, and look at the package and look at that, that calorie panel on the back of it and really weigh whether or not it's the right choice for you that day in that moment. And I'm not saying never have it again. We're not machines. Some days you're going to want it. Some days it's going to be worth it to you. And some days you're going to be like, you know what? I just worked out and I, and I only blew 150 calories on the elliptical machine. 
why would I eat 180 calories of peanut butter? That's crazy. Like when you start equating it, things like that, when you actually start physically putting numbers on foods, even if you're not tracking calories, it kind of makes it kind of black and white. It's like the difference in when you like balance your checkbook and you don't balance your checkbook and you kind of see where your money's going. You know what I mean? When you see what those calories actually mean and what they look like in black and white, it has more value to it. And some days it's worth it to you and some days it's not. And there's no right or wrong answers, but you just have to be aware about it. Um, a really good important call out though about this measuring thing is um, when you look at your measuring cups and it has like ounces on it, that probably means that it's fluid ounces, not solid ounces. Now there are some measuring cups that are for solids, but if you're looking at a measuring cup and it's got like a little divot on it, like where you would pour something out, that's for fluids. Solids um, are usually flat on top so that you could like scrape a knife across, so you get like a real level measuring. Um, weighing like a scale, like grams and even um, ounces like flour should actually be weighed out. Things like that cheese should be weighed and things like that. So really kind of think about how you're measuring things. Google and YouTube are a really, really good source if you want to kind of a rundown on how to actually measure stuff because the way we measure things matters and stuff like that. Take some time, maybe order yourself some new measuring cups and spoons and keep them handy and start using them. The more consistent you are with actually measuring stuff, the more familiar you're going to be with learning, understanding what a portion is. And I bet you your weight loss smooths out. If you haven't been able to lose weight in a long time, if your weight's been kind of yo-yoing up and down a little bit, I bet you if you start measuring your food, even if you're not tracking the calories, you don't even have to know what the calories are, but just start actually looking at the portion size on the packages and measuring what that portion is. I bet you if you start doing that for a couple of weeks, you're going to see some changes on the scale and in your clothing. Just because just knowledge is power and understanding what that is can really, really make a big difference. And then the last part, the last tip I have is consider how often you're eating these things. Are you buying a bag of like, like of cheese sticks, like the big bag of cheese sticks on Sundays and then by Fridays you've got like one left? Do you, are you finding yourself like in the kitchen in between meetings when you work from home with like a spoon and the peanut butter jar just because you're kind of bored and you want kind of something in your mouth? And again, it's okay to eat these things from time to time. It's okay to have a snack if you truly are hungry and you need one. But you've got to be real with yourself with what you're eating, how much you're eating, and how often you're eating it. If you're not at the weight that you want to be, you need to be aware of what you're eating and why you're at that weight that you need to, that you are. And I'm not trying to beat anybody up that, you know, that if you're not where you are, if you're not where you want to be, it's not like, I'm not saying this out of like a, uh, like I'm not casting judgment or anything on you guys. Um, I'm, I'm in this boat too. I, every now and then I had these little moments where it's like, gosh, my jeans are real tight or, oh, this shirt looked a lot better last month. It's just one of those facts of life. Everybody has these moments where we kind of go off the rails a little bit and we stop, we start eyeballing things and things get, kind of get out of control. Rain it in a little bit and be aware of what you're doing because these little things, these little variances and how much we're eating and how often stuff like that, those little tiny things that you don't think are going to add up, absolutely do start adding up. They really, really do. They make a big difference. And the last little part to this um, little TED talk here about cheese and peanut butter, if you're using these things purely to add a little bit of flavor or a little bit of texture and stuff like that, consider consider opening up your spice cabinet, your, your pantry where you keep all your little spices and herbs and stuff like that, and going through that starting there. Look at those herbs and spices and even like sweet things like cocoa and vanilla and other flavors and extracts, like the sort that you bake with. Those things can add a lot of flavor to sweeter items too. Like um, you can add in like a drop of like strawberry extract to like our silver dollar pancake mix and, and kind of make kind of a neat thing without adding any calories at all. Um, 
And a little of those things really, really do go a long way. So it's kind of a really nice economical way to change up flavor without adding calories, without adding carbs, all that fun stuff, no fat and stuff like that. But herbs, spices, extracts and things like that, those are really a lot better for flavoring food and enhancing flavor um, than adding in things like cheeses and peanut butters and sauces because they don't, they don't, change, um, they don't change the calories. Um, they kind of keep things a little bit more simple. And that's really the, the whole key to this whole weight loss thing. You know, the longer that you can keep things simple, the longer that you're going to stick with it. The longer that you stick with it, the more consistent you're gonna, your weight loss is going to be and the faster that you're going to get to goal. The longer that you're consistent, the more you're going to learn, the longer you're going to keep it off. It's like this big cycle and stuff like that. But keep things simple and it, it gets easy and it stays easy. And it stays easy for life. So the second truth that I want to talk about today is... Um, this one might come off a little bit harsh, but again, it, it's not coming from a place of judgment. It's just one of those things that we got to do from time to time, and it's been a while, and sometimes we all kind of need a little bit of a wake-up call, so here we go. But um, are you less than a year out and just not losing the weight that you thought you would or just stopped losing weight, or did you just fail to get to goal and you're you know, more than a year out, or is the scale moving for you and it goes up a couple pounds and then it goes down a couple pounds. Um, did you regain? Or like basically what I'm saying, are you just not at the weight where you want to be? Because I kind of know why you're not there. And I'll tell you, you're eating too much. It's as simple as that. You're overeating. And sure, there may have been a lot of other factors going on um, to, to get you to this point. Like you may have had a life event. You might be depressed. Um, you might have had a big surgery that rendered you unable to walk for a while, but at the end of the day, you ate too much. And I know that sucks to hear. Someone's told me that before and it sucked to hear. I hate saying it. It's not happy. Um, but if you don't believe me, humor me for a couple minutes, for a couple days rather, and change nothing. But take two days and write down every single bite of food, every lick, every sip, every gulp you take, and then look it over. Be brutally honest with yourself about what you're eating and drinking for a couple days. And I bet at the end of those couple days, you're going to see clear culprits to why you're the weight that you are. But you're also going to notice during those two days that you're resisting writing some of the things down because it's such a small amount. You don't have to write down that swig of orange just because, hey, it can't be that much, right? Yeah. I mean, we've all been there. But let me tell you, those small amounts, they do add up fast. They really, really do. Um, you know, it, it's kind of math and, it, and it's a lot to kind of wrap your head around. But when we gain a pound, it's because we've eaten 3,500 excess calories. And that's a lot. That's a lot of calories to eat in one day. But it's not the one day that matters. It's what we do over a period of time. Um, if we're already eating enough that we've stopped weight loss from happening, all you need to do is basically eat an extra 250 calories a day for like two weeks to meet that 3,500 calories so you gain an extra pound a month. That's where regain starts. It's not a pound a day. It's a pound or two a month. It kind of creeps on. But 250 calories a day sounds like a lot of food, doesn't it? Like that's like an extra lunch, isn't it? But then when you think about like if you got a, if you stopped at Starbucks this morning and got like a skinny latte, like a grande, sugar-free, which means no added sugar, right? So no calories in that syrup with non-fat milk, right? Well, that's still about 200 calories. So then say you had that with one of those cheese sticks that maybe I mentioned above. So 50, 70 calories, right? Well, there's 250 calories right there. And that's not even 
counting your lunch, your breakfast, and your dinner, or any snacks that you had. That's not even an entree, and you're already up to almost 300 calories extra. That's what I'm talking about. The stuff you're doing that's not sitting down at the table and having a meal. For most of the people who've had a regain and loss that, that regained weight, this is what they learn when they, when they stop and start losing the weight. It's not that they were eating entire buckets of fried chicken or like going crazy with, with French fries and, and junk food and stuff like that. It's that they were eating little bits and bites of food that may have probably even been a good choice, may have been okay, low carb. I know tons and tons of post-ops who regained on things like cheese and deviled eggs and things that should have been a good choice. It's because they were eating too much food too often. And it wasn't even really a lot of food. It was small amounts of food over and over and over again. And it just added up over time. And think about some of the things that people tend to do. Like say you're going to go sit down and watch TV one night, right? Something's on, you want to watch it. You grab a handful of nuts, right? Well, if you grabbed a handful of roasted peanuts, even without the salt, dry roasted peanuts, a handful, which is about half a cup, that's almost 430 calories right there. 430 calories in the palm of your hand. Say you do that twice a week, every month, every twice a week, every week for a month. That's a lot of calories over time. That's how things happen. That's how things snowball on and all of a sudden your pants don't fit. And you think, I, how did I gain all this weight? Because you weren't thinking about, you, were, you didn't sit down and eat giant, giant amounts of food. You were eating a little bit, but it added up fast. That's where it comes from. Cutting out things like that are often really, really simple changes too, and they don't hurt to implement. And I know like, like for example, like when I was trying to lose my last 10 pounds before I, I went to go, like, you know, I lost 200 pounds. Um, it was 150 pound regain. And then I had 50 pounds to lose to get to my actual goal weight, <clears throat> excuse me, to get to my goal weight. And um, one of the swaps that I made was I realized that the cheese stick that I was eating, you know, I'd eat a cheese stick every afternoon at work. And then usually about like 3.30 or 4. And then when I got to the gym, I would need to have a snack about 150 calories. And usually I'd pick like protein or something kind of filling because it would be 7.30 or 8 before I would get home and have dinner. So I was having about probably about 300 calories of snacks spread over a couple hours. Well, I switched it up a little bit just to kind of see what happened. And I, I swapped out that cheese stick for a cup of raw broccoli with some salsa to dip it into. Now, I would switch out the broccoli for like cauliflower or carrots or whatever, you know, whatever vegetable I could find at the grocery store that week that wasn't terribly expensive. And sure enough, the, the scale kind of sped up a little bit because I also noticed that when I got to the gym, I didn't need that chicken snack. So I was cutting my afternoon snack, that cheese stick calorie in half and then skipping out on about 100, 150 calories about four or five times a week. And while that's not a big, big change day by day by day, in the course of like a month, that added up a lot. And sure enough, I went from like a size eight to a size four within like six weeks. And that doesn't sound like a long time, but unfortunately, one of the other truths about weight loss that a lot of people don't talk about, the smaller you are, the harder it is to lose things like 10 pounds. That, that weight does move a lot slower. So that, that's a big, big change. But that's what I'm talking about. These little tiny small swaps can add up really, really big. And just like in either direction, like if you're swapping to, to limit the calories or you're just swapping to kind of add calories, it makes a big difference in either direction. But I'm kind of rambling there. So I'm going to um, call that topic closed and we're going to move on. So the next one I want to talk about is a really, really good mindset shift that a lot of people really kind of struggle with. Um, 
if you're trying to do anything right now after weight loss surgery, and that includes weight loss, um, keeping the weight off, maintaining, whatever, whatever you're trying to do, um, you should be aiming for progress, not perfection. And I've said a lot, I've said this a couple times in, I think more than a couple episodes of the podcast, but here's the truth. No one's ever asked you to be perfect. No one expects you to be the per- perfect picture of compliance after surgery. But what people do expect of you is that you'll learn, you'll listen, you'll pay attention, you'll grow. And sooner than later, you'll have so many more good habits than you'll have bad habits. And that's kind of how we get to where we want to go. And I know that there's a lot to wrap our heads around early on, especially after regain. Um, it seems like we've just got so much to change. And, and, and it's true because there is a lot to change. But you've got to break it down and focus on what you can work on in that moment, what you can get right and learn from that and keep moving forward and just keep trying and keep pressing and stuff like that. And, and not so much focus on the setbacks and, and the wins, but focus on what you're doing and the progress that you've made in... Um, in quite a few episodes of the series, um, I've suggested that to get started, it's often easier to focus on one small change and keep repeating that until you've got that like just memorized. And once you've got that down so well that it's habitual, move on forward with the next small change and work on those two small things in partnership and so on and so forth until everything small, small snowballs. Blah. I'm sorry. Like I said, I'm very, very rusty. Um, but that's progress over perfection. So if you're having a rough time, if you can't figure out where to start or don't even want to start because you can't even wrap your head around what to do because it all just seems like so much, focus on one small thing. Pick one thing and and just work on that. Take it moment by moment, second by second if you have to. And when you misstep, and you will because you're human and you're not a machine, don't stress out. Don't think all is lost. Look carefully and honestly at what happened and do your very best to learn from it. And that may mean understanding that hitting the snooze button eight times every single Monday morning will mean that not only won't you have the time to pack your lunch, you won't have time to make a decent breakfast even. And that's going to set your day off, um, your day of eating into a spiral of like just weird choices. Not necessarily bad choices, but just weird choices because you won't be prepared properly. Learning may also sometimes mean that you just learning because you went hungry or you realize that if you don't take up 10, 15 minutes to, to pack a bag with, with some bottles of water and baggies of sliced vegetables or maybe berries or apples to your kid's baseball practice, you're going to end up back at the 7-Eleven getting chips and Cokes or Pops or juice because everybody's hungry and cranky. Things like that. Those are the little lessons that we can learn from. Take what happens and use it to your advantage. Trying to figure out what you can learn from so that you don't repeat these same things over and over and again. And it's hard because dragging yourself out of bed when you'd rather not. And honestly, speaking from experience, I know that I don't like getting up when my alarm clock goes off. No matter how much sleep I got the night before, I'd rather hit snooze. But then I also know that those extra eight minutes when I hit snooze, they don't do anything. It just kind of makes it worse and it just prolongs everything. Um, But dragging myself and and dragging yourself out of bed on time is a key habit because it helps you set your day up in a successful way. way. There's a reason you set that alarm for that specific time, right? 
you've got to get up and you've got to get stuff done because you're responsible. You have things you've got to get done and that includes taking care of yourself. That includes making yourself a good breakfast. That includes making sure that you've got your lunch planned and that you've got yourself ready to go, right? Right. My point is that you have to constantly focus on the progress that you're making every day. And, and that's going to help you do a few things. That's going to help you acknowledge that your win. Um, that's going to help you acknowledge your wins. It's also going to help you understand your losses more clearly. And that means that you're going to be able to help, you're going to be able to spot ways to prevent them from happening again, but you're also going to be able to spot ways to help them from happening before they happen eventually. You're going to actually start being able to kind of call out like, well, wait a minute, if I do that, this is going to happen because you'll understand more about what's going on because you'll be able to start thinking more critically about your day. It's a really interesting kind of pattern. But I promise you, because I learned this the hard way, I know, and I've been working with so many of you guys, you know, in face-to-face in the Facebook groups and our premium support group, you can't change unless you fully understand what needs to change. So being in a state where you're honestly evaluating your progress will eventually help you stop the frustrating cycle of stopping and starting and never getting anywhere. I really want that for you. I really do. Um, so the next weight loss truth is going to seem like it's coming out of left field, given what we've been talking about. But um, stick with me, okay? Um, you have to stop thinking in terms of recipes. Recipes are absolutely great tools when you are having a party and eat a fabulous dessert or when you're making um, a really fun meal to change up your routine. They're great. They're really great. Um, But you've got to stop thinking that you need a recipe for dinner on random Tuesday nights and recipes for snacks or breakfast and protein drinks and everyday meals. And it's kind of a weird idea, but it boils down to overthinking food. And that includes these good choices that we're making to, you know, propel us down towards the goals that we want to make. Um, we've got to keep it simple with, with our things, with, with things in the kitchen, with food. And I know I've said that a couple times this, this podcast, but, but um, one of the trends that we see over and over on Facebook is just people way, way, way overcomplicating things. It's really not that hard. And when we start thinking about recipes, that often means a lot of ingredients, a lot of time, a lot of extra work, a lot of research, and a lot of money. And no one needs to do all that. Most of your meals should be really, really easy to prep and take 30, 45 minutes maybe from start to finish. I'm talking like walk in, open the fridge, sit down and eat. 30, 45 minutes. Bake some chicken. Bake some fish. Make a quick salad. Bake some pork chops. Steam green beans in the microwave. Steak. Grill a steak. Slice some tomatoes, spinach, sauteed and garlic, and, and some olive oil. Really, really easy meals. You know, we've all got pantries full of um, herbs and spices and fridge doors all with all these sauces and stuff like that. Have some fun with basic flavor combos. But, you know, season your meats. Have a vegetable. Keep it really, really simple. You don't need six side dishes for a meal. Remember, we talk about this a lot in Facebook groups. Dinner, lunch, breakfast protein plus fruit or a vegetable that's your meal you don't need three different side dishes for tuesday night dinner you don't need that you really don't simple meals cost less they taste take less time to cook and they're going to keep you on track because it's so easy you don't have to spend much time thinking about it you don't spend much time making it you don't spend a lot of time shopping for it you don't spend a lot of time cooking and there's not a lot of dishes to clean up and that's the big part right it's that time time is valuable 
think about that. Keep things simple. And your food should be really, really simple. If you need ideas on how to do that, we've got lots and lots of sheet pan meals. It's more of a technique than a recipe. But that's what I'm talking about, just baking stuff. Season it, pop it in the oven. It's easy. Okay, moving on. Um, The next weight loss truth is something that we all know. I think deep down we all know this, but a lot of people think that exercise and weight loss go hand in hand. And while that's not untrue, I want to remind you guys that weight loss happens because of what we eat, not because of exercise. Now, exercise is important, but remember, you cannot outrun your fork. You just can't. Um, And I, I want to add the reason I'm bringing this up is because a lot of people overthink exercise. But the hardest thing about exercise is just doing the exercise. And I don't mean starting a new program or deciding to join the gym or whatever. I mean the act of actually showing up for yourself. Um, However many times a week you said you were going to do it or whatever you decided that you could do, um, here's my advice to get started. And it's, it's not... It's not groundbreaking, and I think it actually might be like borderline trade, trademark infringement. Um, you've heard it too, but just do it. Seriously, just do it. Get in the car, grab the dog and get the leash, get the bikes out. Whatever you said you were going to do, just do it. Go. No one cares if you got makeup on or your hair's a mess or if you look cute. No one cares at the gym that you're still overweight or that you can't make it down the block without stopping to catch your breath. No one honestly cares. You're never going to get where you want to be unless you start the journey to get there. If you want, if you're, if you truly feel like exercise is part of your health journey and, and, and part of your goals, just start exercising. Do what you want to do. Um, this next weight loss truth, we've gone over a couple times, but I think it's such a common thing for people to struggle with. So I really, really want to go over it again. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to go into like the great detail that, that I have because I've covered it a couple times in, I think, in two podcasts, for sure for one, and I've touched on another one. But um, it's the concept of full versus satisfied. When we eat, we aren't supposed to feel stuffed or full. And that goes before surgery as well. Um, one of the best examples I have is when, when I had my daughter, I was struggling with breastfeeding and I, I wanted to give up, but I wasn't sure if that was the right choice. Uh, so I was talking with one of the nurses about, you know, what, what's the difference? And she had said that breast milk makes babies super, super full and formula will satisfy, will satisfy you and makes you feel full maybe, but like not stuffed. Now, bear with me because I know this is kind of like a weird way to explain this. Um, both of them keep babies healthy and alive and, and you thrive. One kind of leaves you stuffed and maybe a little bit uncomfortable and kind of sleepy. And the other just like happily satisfied because you're not hungry. So with us, especially after weight loss surgery, when we eat, there's no reason at all for us to be stuffed. Stuffed is how we used to eat and how we got here. Before we had weight loss surgery, like it or not, we were really, really kind of twisted in the way that we used to eat. We used to think that we needed these giant, giant meals and we needed to have that giant sensation that we were just like full and really, really had like that heavy stuffed feeling for lack of a better way. I know I keep saying that, but um, so when we had the weight loss surgery, you know, we really felt that need, that desire to put, you know, when we make a protein shake, we had that urge to make it real, real thick. So we were putting frozen bananas and cups of ice and, and making our shake so thick that it takes us an hour to get it down. And um, it's, 
it's not necessary. Uh, we were we eat to sensations and forget that food is meant to satisfy. Stuffed is like for turkeys, not humans. Um, in episodes, I think it's actually 39 and 17, I call this out specifically, especially in episode 17, I talk about where you're supposed to start eating and where you're supposed to stop eating without feeling stuffed. And I want to add that if you're feeling, if you're eating to the point where you aren't feeling stuffed, but your nose runs or you do hiccup or you had like that little painful bump on the top of your mouth, you're overeating. Stop wanting to feel full in order to stop eating and start listening to see if you're satisfied. But one other important thing to remember about, you know, stuffed versus satisfied and things like that, it is possible to overeat and not feel stuffed. A lot of times people will eat over, like they'll take that shake that's so super full and eat it over the course of an hour. When we overeat and when we try to search, when we're like chasing that stuffed feeling, a lot of the times we're actually pushing food through our pouches or our sleeve faster than our bodies can register that it's even there. So we're overeating and feeling stuff. So we're actually like kind of doubling down on what not to do. So really, really take take the time to like pay attention and listen. Slow down when you're eating and stop when you're satisfied, not full, not stuffed, just like not uncomfortable. And if you don't know what that means, if you're not sure how to do that, go back and listen to episode 17. It sounds crazy, but it really will help you understand when you're hungry, when you're when you're not hungry when to stop eating it's it's actually kind of weird um I, I listen to it every every little while it's like yeah I, I do tend to overeat a lot of the times even though you know I'm, I don't I'm not dealing with regain it's funny how old habits die hard and like that like old sensation you just kind of want to start chasing it after a little while so um if you haven't listened to it for a while or you're kind of struggling or wondering you know maybe it's time for a little checkup it might be a good listen for you anyways Okay, so the last truth of the day is kind of a weird one again. Um, again, based on another trend that we're seeing in, 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 uh, in the Facebook groups where people are pairing, making these dinner plates with like multiple sources of protein on them. Um, and, and, and usually it's in regards to like yogurt and cottage cheese. But you really have to pick one protein per meal. Like two eggs is a meal or one egg and like a breakfast meat or chicken or like a pork chop and a vegetable is a meal but like a chicken leg and cottage cheese and a side salad with shredded shredded cheese and dressing that's too many proteins that's like a lot of food that's too much um so uh doubling down on protein again sounds like a really really great way to eat because i know we're all we all have it hammered in us we have to protein 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 and i know it's confusing it really really is but when we do that when we add in extra 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 proteins and all that fun stuff we're just adding in more calories and we're really not getting all of the things that all of the other things that we need about meals we have a, a um an article actually that i wrote on our website called a tale of two suppers and um in it we detail uh, these two plates. One of the plates is from a newer post-op who had um, like a boiled egg, a couple slices of turkey, a couple slices of bacon, some avocado, and like a, a slice of cheese or something like that. And that was their dinner. And then like there was another plate and it was my plate. It was like pork chops and broccoli. Their plate was like 500 calories and my plate was like 200 calories. And it's like kind of shocking that difference and stuff like that. But it's like, you know, if you're eating that plate, that first plate, that's like a combination, like a little little lunchable kind of style meal of like six different kinds of protein. And you're always hungry and you're dealing with cravings at night. That might be why. Because, you know, 
proteins are really, really easy nutrient to get. But you really got to work to create some some balance, especially when you're about seven or eight months post-op and, and you don't, you know, you're eating a lot more different foods and you're, you're able to eat a little bit more volume-wise. You really need to focus on getting protein and veggies or fruit with every single meal because you've got to create that balance, not so much just for nutrients and stuff like that, but to create some mental satisfaction for yourself. Um, you know, a lot of people will eat plates with it just, just protein, and then they wonder why they're, they're, they're having nighttime cravings, why they can't figure out why they're, why they're always, you know, they need, they need to have a snack every night and stuff like that. It's because there's no variety in their diets. They're not chewing. They don't have any sort of satisfaction and things like that. Um, so, you, you know, balance. Balance is important. You know, think Try not to start like cramming protein into every single meal and just think about like other foods and other ways to get like other things in there. Um, I also want to add in here because this is kind of a confusing topic too. A lot of people like to put a scoop of Inspire into yogurt and that's cool because, you know, nutrient wise, that's really not too different from putting a scoop of Inspire into like a cup of like nonfat milk, like calorie wise. But um, I'm going to warn you that... um, for a lot of long-term post-ops, one of the um, unspoken things about yogurt and cottage cheese specifically, and that's kind of why I'm bringing that up, is that um, sometimes these food for some people, and, and not all post-ops, but I'm one who experiences this, um, yogurt and cottage cheese, even though they're great sources of protein, they actually are slider foods that can either help foods like chicken go down faster Um or they can just go down really, really fast and they don't, they don't actually stay in our pouches or sleeves long enough to trigger that satisfaction signal. Now that signal can take because it's kind of, um, it needs the, the food in your pouch to stay there for a little bit for that to happen. Um, cause hunger satisfaction, like satisfaction to, for your body to register that you're not hungry anymore is kind of two part. The first signal comes from your stomach from having food in it for, you know, 15 to 20 minutes or so, but it has to be there in your stomach for it to, to feel. And then your body actually notes that it's not hungry after that protein is actually kind of digested and absorbed into your body. But that first part, that mental satisfaction comes from the physical sensation of food in your stomach, but it actually has to be in your pouch or your sleeve long enough for that to happen. And for some people, yogurts, cottage cheese, even like applesauce, they don't stay in your, your pouch or your sleeve long enough for it to trigger that sensation. So um, that's why you really want to be careful when you're adding things like cottage cheese or yogurt to meals because it may not help you the way you think it's going to help you and it might just add extra calories. So that's that's kind of my point. Um, and if you've ever eaten a yogurt for a snack and wondered why when you finish you're still looking for another snack even if you put a scoop of yogurt in it, that could be why. So just kind of pay attention to what you're doing. Again, like the big, the big thing here is if you're not where you want to be, look at what you're doing, how often you're doing it, and maybe there's some clues there. Anyways, so I hope all of that made sense. I know I kind of rambled, but again, um, I'm a little bit rusty. It's been a while. Um, thank you so much for being patient with me. I resisted and put it off, put off recording for so long that I think I have a big case of stage fright. So I just kind of wanted to rip the bandit off. So I do hope that everything that I said made sense. And um, again, I just really want to thank you for sticking with us for so long and um, know that it will not be two years before the next episode. I promise. Um, thanks so much. Talk to you soon. <laughs>